Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. Bonnie, it's been a hot minute. We have been both extremely busy with life. Uh, We have some changes coming to the show. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Uh, But this is a little tease for you. This will be our last weekly installment of B Squared for the foreseeable future. Yes, we are restructuring a little bit and and making some changes and, um, you know, just things we need to do. Exactly. And we have not been ousted by the board of directors. Uh, We are not in a hostile takeover. We are just doing this uh, because we need to focus on a couple other things that we have going on. You and I are both in school. You and I are both working full-time jobs. I'm working two other jobs in addition to that. So time is important and rest is important. And while B squared is important, uh, we feel that we can maybe have a bigger impact with changing up how we do the show. So we'll get into that later on. But Bonnie, since the last time you and I have talked on this podcast, we have seen a big, big swing in some severe weather events, including uh, what I think is safe to say two tornado outbreaks. Yes, um, two pretty major ones. Um, I, I mean, big outbreaks, period, but especially for the month of December, pretty big, significant, um, unexpected type of December weather. So, yes, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. That is very true. Now, it is December, as you said. And, you know, we do know that severe weather does happen, especially in the southern part of the United States, year-round. That is nothing new. However, when you see stuff in the areas that we did see, uh, it was more reminiscent of, you know, Chase Season 1 or Chase Season 2, where either late spring or mid-fall for the locations that these tornadoes took place. But, Bonnie, you know, severe weather can happen year-round, and it can happen anywhere. Let's jump into the first one because I think that's the bigger of the two outbreaks, and we'll focus more on the Kentucky tornado because that got all the headlines, so we'll we'll break that down. But we also don't want to be a disservice to the other tornadoes that did cause a lot of damage. But, Bonnie, the first one was the big one uh, unofficially, we're still waiting to get the confirmation on it. The longest single tracking tornado in U.S. history at over 270 miles long. Yes, super long distance. And the, they are confirming that it's been on, it was on the ground for, I think it's what I saw was like 150 miles at least. So they have confirmed part of it that it was on the ground and stayed on the ground for a certain distance, but they haven't confirmed the full quad state distance that everyone's kind of waiting on but yeah that was you know I was telling you the other day I went back and watched the coverage of that and I mean it was just it was that was just one of the craziest things I've ever seen and I mean we've had long track big tornadoes here but not like that so that was that was just a crazy crazy event and for December and like you said it can happen anytime as long as the ingredients are there it's just not as expected 
to have that kind of level of tornado outbreak in December. So yes, very record-breaking and historic for sure. When we look at the setup for this, and again, it was a very, very vigorous cold front overtaking an area of relatively warm and unstable air, even for December. But Bonnie, this the ingredients were there. Everything was forecasted to happen, and we had multiple day warnings, multiple day heads up on this. Um, the Storm Prediction Center was on top of it for at least five days before it happened. So we knew that something was going to happen. Did we expect this? Probably not. But with that said, your typical warning suite had could see a few large tornadoes, could see a few long track tornadoes, but you don't expect a supercell to stay together for, you know, almost close to 300 miles, and it has been dubbed the quad state tornado, went through four states. You just don't expect that to necessarily happen, and it doesn't matter if it's, you know, in spring or fall, let alone December. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's historic for for a spring season and even more so for the winter. So yes, like that was, yeah, like there's just not even words. And like you said, we're still waiting for official um, ratings and distance. I think I've seen that it has at least reached ES4 level in some areas. So, you know, it's going to take them a long time. That's a long track. That's a whole lot of damage. That's a whole lot of, you know, area that they have to cover to determine what kind of tornado and how long and how big it was but um it was crazy and they're still unfortunately finding people um who did not make it and that's also really sad and really devastating it is sad and devastating um we'll talk about uh some comments and some concerns that have been raised in the last couple days about businesses and how to deal with severe weather, including a company that I work for, Amazon, so I'm not allowed or will choose to speak for them, but I do have an opinion, and we will get to that in a minute. But when you have a tornado that is on the ground this long, and again, you might be asking yourself, why can't they confirm it, you know, the full length of it, 270 miles, or, you know, you said they've already done 150. It takes a long time to conduct a storm survey. And part of this storm survey includes going back and looking at, you know, portions of radar coverage, satellite coverage, actual on-ground analysis. So while we think the tornado was on the ground for this long, we don't know. We have to go back and confirm it with radar. We have to go back and confirm it with ground truth. We have to go back and confirm it with eyewitness reports because a tornado can lift off the ground for 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, and skip an area and at that point you know it's still the same tornado but it's not a continual you know trek across the countryside and that's what they're waiting to find out so radar will tell us some of that story obviously the rotation was there the entire time there's no question about that and you know some of the cool weather tools that we have access to looking at that full length of that supercell development all the way back toward you know uh, the state of Oklahoma as it moved across into Arkansas and, you know, into Kentucky. But, man, this thing was just, it was impressive. This thing was just churning away, and it didn't want to stop. It reminded me a lot of some of the tornadoes that you and I have seen on radar where it just gets this head of steam, makes that hardcore right-hand turn, 
and this thing's off by itself in a very favorable environment, and this thing did not stop. Yeah, and that's what it was, is it was out ahead of everything, so it had all this fuel that was untouched, and it could just it could just keep going and going and going, and it went it went basically through the heart of the moderate risk area. So, I mean, if you want to say nailed it or bullseye, this is one of those forecasts that was a complete, total, spot on, nailed it. I mean, looking at all the storm reports overlaid over the outlook was it, I mean, flawless is what I would say with the, when it comes to the forecast, like they completely and totally crushed it. And and the scary thing is with that that storm, though, as it went across, you know, three or four states, like we said, not confirmed yet, that there was still storms behind it that were going tornado warned as well, coming across some of the same areas that had just had that one. So um, that environment was conducive to just have continuous severe weather and tornadoes. And I think last I saw was there was 60 tornado reports at least from just that event, but it could be more now, but I think it's 60. Right. Confirmed deaths so far, 62, uh, according to uh, what I'm but seeing. But I'm talking here. tornado report. Oh, tornado. Sorry. 60. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I How think. many? Let's see here. Do, 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 do. Yes, 62 so far. Highest That's one, EF2. Crazy. Yep, 62 that reports. Crazy and 62. Yeah, sorry. 62. I need to read. It's early for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh Time and tornadoes and all this stuff. So, so far, confirmed fatalities, 89, 75 of those in Kentucky. Three of those were non-tornadic that we know of, 55 of injuries. Now, total time that this was considered an outbreak, just over 24 hours at 24 hours and 11 minutes. Lowest pressure recorded that they could find was 974 millibars. Uh, Tornadoes confirmed, 62. No EF5s yet. There have been two EF4 ratings confirmed, six EF3s, 14 EF2s, 23 EF1s, one 16, uh, or sorry, 16 EF0s, and one enhanced Fujita, uh, ones that they cannot um, cannot assess the damage because it did not destroy anything. It was over farmland. So, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and that I think that number is going to go up, and I do think we might get a couple more EF4 and EF3 ratings. You know, um, I know everybody really wants that one to be on the ground as one tornado for that whole entire time, but I right. really, I think it lifted. It just had to. I mean, you know, that's what they do. It had to lift it off the ground periodically here and there. But you know, who knows? But I just think that it it had. You know, and they'll they'll find that. But it's, you know, 250 miles that they have to travel. So, and assess like every square inch of that length. So, I mean, we just, we just have to wait. That's all we can do. Exactly. And like you said, the confirmed distance so far is 165 miles. So that still puts that up there at a long track tornado. And you go through some of the other ones. Uh, there's an EF4 on the ground for 82 miles. Um, that's, you know, that's pretty scary. That's a lot of long track tornadoes. I mean, even at, listen, a tornado on the ground at any time, but a tornado on the ground at three miles is still pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, the EF5s that we've had around here were on the ground for a few miles and, you know, did considerable damage. So imagine, yeah, 135 miles or 89 miles. So, I mean, that is just, 
you know, so, so scary. And there's not a lot of pictures and not a lot of video of it, of course, because that's a really hard area to chase in and see anything in. And all of this really happened at night. But there are a few pictures. And it is a very scary looking tornado when it's backlit by the lightning. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's a pretty big monster in some parts. So that was that was just a crazy, crazy event. And there was some good coverage from some new stations on YouTube um, that's like five and six hours long. So if you are interested in that, definitely go and look that up. Um, I watched it <laughs> the other day while I was working because I just, I, I missed it. I was out the night that it happened. And so I right. wasn't watching it live. And so I went back and watched it. And yeah, it was, it was, wow, it was real scary. And you can tell, you know, when the when the meteorologists on TV are covering it, and at some points they just, it's just silent because they just have no, they have no words. They have nothing. They're just in awe themselves. You know, that's very chilling. All right. It's very true. It's very true. You know, we talk about a long track tornado. We talk about a lot of these storms. You know, the South is heavily populated, right? With the exception of, or the exception of Jonesboro, Arkansas, most of these tornadoes, you know, went through relatively small towns. And obviously we'll talk about that, you know, and we know that outside of, you know, the tornadoes that went through Bowling Green and two of them, you know, hit that area relatively close and did a lot of damage. I have family members in that area and they said that they had, you know, friends' homes destroyed and um, my mother's cousin, uh, they said a block away, homes were destroyed from them, but Bonnie, the city of Nashville dodged another bullet. I mean, obviously, last year they had the tornado go through North Nashville. They had a long track tornado that spun up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine tornado warnings in, you know, relatively close to Nashville. Uh, a tornado lifted and finally dissipated north of downtown, um, cut through an area called uh, Avondale, Cumberland Heights. Uh, there were some other areas in there that they were watching, and then they had tornadoes come down and touch down out near their airport. So they dodged a bullet. But, Bonnie, it's been a while since we've seen a tornado in a major metro area. And, again, that's one of the ones that we always kind of hold our breath for because we know eventually it's going to happen. Yeah, and this this definitely did it, and so did some other tornadoes in that same outbreak hit some heavier populated areas and like you said hit some bigger businesses and warehouses and factories and stuff so I mean there was you know you did mention that there was some that were out in the farmland and so nothing really happened but there was enough that went through enough heavy populated areas to get what did you say the total um, loss of life so far is 89 yes yep 89 so far so that's a lot that's that's really a lot you know and um Bringing it back to what you said, some of those were in uh, two warehouses. One was a candle factory, I think, in Kentucky, and yep. then the other one was the Illinois Amazon warehouse. Yep. Let's talk about the let's talk about those two for a minute because there's a lot of controversy about things that have happened uh, with that. One, anytime that you have a tornado warning, you should cease whatever you're doing and move to the lowest level of your house or business if you have a. De- excuse me, a designated safe room, you need to move there. Now, that has come into question over the last, you know, two weeks since this happened, or not nine days, so last nine to ten days. The Candle Factory, unfortunately, had severe loss of life with people 
you know, making candles, doing things, and apparently their bosses said, if you leave or choose to leave, you would be fired. Yeah. Which we also now, we know that that 100% is unacceptable. A loss of life is not worth, you know, it to do work. I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to say that right now. And we'll get to the Amazon portion here in a minute because I do have some, I do have some strong feelings about that. So. I mean, there were people in that candle factory though that had injuries. Like I heard, I read one story where someone had severe burns yeah, because they couldn't leave and, and wax had, had fallen on them. And they, I, I don't think that that particular person passed away, but now they have severe injuries as a result of that. And it's just, I mean, <laughs> the, the amount of money these these companies are going to have to pay out in injuries and, you know, loss of life and stuff, you know, was that worth threatening their jobs over, you know? So I I don't know. I just, I, I don't have any words for that. And that just makes me rethink a lot of these big businesses that we all utilize on a regular basis. Right. And again, every business is different. Every emergency plan is different. There is no one that is better than the other. And I say that, you know, knowing that emergency plans need to change. But according to, again, to this Wikipedia article where uh, they are, you know, stating some of the things that 110 people reportedly were trapped in the Mayfield Consumer Products Candle Factory when the tornado hit the facility. Uh, on December 12th, eight people had been con- have been confirmed dead and eight others are missing. By the next day, all employees from the factory had been located. Allegedly, workers' jobs were threatened if they left the factory between the first and second tornado warnings for the area. And then again, after the second tornado warning sounded, the Candle factors, uh, Factory's emergency protocols are pending investigation by state authorities. So at least state authorities are looking into it. What will they will find, we do not know. Now, the big one that got... The headlines was the Amazon delivery station that was hit. And the delivery station set up for Amazon, and I'll speak to this because I do work for Amazon. I'm very familiar with their operations as I'm in their operations. But um, the damage that you saw of the roofs collapsed and the trussles bent are very similar to most of the delivery station structures. So... That area is open to the wind. That area is meant strictly as a covering. So when drivers come in to pick up packages, they are not out in the rain. So that was what was taken down. The majority of the building was able to withstand the direct impact of the tornado. Now, with that said, there was a lot of damage done to the physical building structure where most of the employees work. And... I can tell you this from looking at the pictures. You saw garage doors or dock doors being blown in. You saw stuff uh, fall from the ceiling. You saw other, you know, things all around that had caved in when the tornado hit the building. Working in an Amazon building, we do have a severe weather area where we are supposed to gather. I will say this from because I'm, you know, I'm. You and I are experts in this area. We know what to look for. We know where to go when it comes to uh, seat shelter when severe weather pops up. Most of these severe weather places lack any real structure. It's more of a hanging sign. Hey, gather in this area. Yeah. 
And what I heard, though, was that they had never even had drills, though. So a lot of them weren't even sure right. where to go, period. So that's also a problem. Right. And I will tell you this right now. We haven't had a drill in the new building that I just launched two months ago. I had a fire drill in my previous building, but we've never done anything with severe weather. Because, honestly, it doesn't happen a whole lot. Now, yeah. with with that said, with that said. I've already told my bosses that in the event we have severe weather, I am not going to the severe weather area. I will be going to the office. I will be going to one of the interior bathrooms. I will be going to any number of places that will put the most amount of walls between me and the tornado and away from things inside the factory. I'm sorry. I work in a building with a lot of machinery, a lot of corrugated cardboard, a lot of sheet metal that is used to build walls and pieces of conveyors. I don't want to be anywhere near that. Yeah. I don't want to be all of that. Yeah. Nothing. I want to be nowhere near that. I also don't want to be directly under the roof of a building that while it is well constructed, it is not necessarily the best place to be standing under. Because if the roof does have a flaw in it or does give way, I don't want to have to be sent scrambling. So I have had talks with bosses that, you know, we should probably consider moving these things. So we will see what happens. But Well, there's a lot of Amazon warehouses and distribution centers that yes, are, are in prime locations. And we have one of the new ones here right off I-44. And... May 3rd came up I-44 right there. Um, uh, May in 2013, the big tornado came right up I-44 right there as well. So, I mean, you know, that that just, that area is where a lot of ingredients come together perfectly. And we have these tornadoes that come up into Moore in South Oklahoma City and they come up I-44 right there. And so I would hope that after this happened in Illinois that, warehouses in prime areas like here in central Oklahoma are starting to think of a plan and where they would need to send their employees or if they would let them leave early for the day or whatever. Right. And, you know, hopefully that's being discussed right now at the warehouse here and in other ones in similar type of locations. Right. We'll see. And I know that some of these places do have adequate emergency shelters. If you are in a tornado prone area, I know that you are required by law to have certain amenities in line to help prevent serious injuries, whether that be a storm shelter, whether that be a a safe room or an area where you can gather where if something were to happen, you would have a much better chance of surviving versus than just being out on a warehouse floor. So that is written into most building codes in some parts of the country, definitely not all of them, but it is a step in the right direction. All places need to have an emergency shelter. Yes, there's no doubt about it. So I hope going forward that continues, but we shall see. Hopefully it opens some eyes and, and the same things don't happen, you know, and I could see people in other warehouses, not just Amazon, but I mean, we have big Hobby Lobby warehouse here too on the south side of Oklahoma City. So I mean, and it's near the airport and everything. So I could see people in 
those areas also being like, okay, well, in the spring, if something happens, you know, where do we go? So I'm just hoping that some of these bigger places like that start to really think of a good solid plan. Cause I mean, a, a big open warehouse, you know, with a lot of dock doors and it's just big and open, you know, if the wind gets in there enough, I mean, it can really start throwing stuff around product and shelving and all of yep. that. And, you know, and, and things can start collapsing. And so there's just got to be a place that, that people can go and warehouses have a whole lot of workers in there at once, hundreds and hundreds. And so there's, there's just got to be a plan. And I just hope that there is one. And if there isn't one, I hope people are starting to come up with one now, especially right. saying that they can have this problem all year round. It doesn't mean it's just confined to the spring, you know, so right. we'll see what happens. We talked about the SBC forecast days in advance. There is a map with overlay of the tornado warnings on top of the SBC guidance. Every one of the tornadoes, with the exception of two of them, formed in the area that is from a slight to moderate. So slight, enhanced, and moderate contain all of the tornado warnings. They did have one tornado warning start in an area just under the general thunderstorm risk, which, again, can happen. We have seen it from time to time. We had one tornado start in an area where it's just marginal. And, again, it happens time to time. So, SPC nailed this. There is no doubt about it. The Obviously, the moderate, in it covered the area, which, you know, we're going to dub now quad state based off this just one tornado, but... It encompassed parts of Arkansas, Missouri, Illinois, Tennessee, and Kentucky. So you say, you know, five states, maybe even six if you want to really include the very, very small southwest or southwest tip of Indiana. But, Bonnie, as you said, these tornadoes were in the moderate and enhanced areas. There were a few tornadoes in the slight, but we knew that that area of instability was going to shift eastward so it's pretty impressive again we have to give props to our friends at spc in norman oklahoma they've done an awesome job forecasting these storms the last couple years they're spot on absolutely spot on and it's it's literally one of my favorite things to see because I mean, even with this event, but all other events always get backlash. If they didn't nail it, they didn't, they didn't get it. They were off. They were blah, blah, blah. And I, it, it's so, I hate that. And so I love seeing the storm reports over the outlooks like that. And it just being so beyond spot on, so nailed it, that you would think these guys at the SBC are like wizards or something, but they are that good. They are that smart and educated and experienced and know what they're doing. And so when all these people, I mean, like I just said, they people had something to say about that event and that it wasn't forecast well and that there wasn't enough heads up. And I just, I just want to pull all my hair out because I'm like, I, I don't understand. We were talking about this for like a week before it happened, you right. know? So, you know, there's some people that you just can't please. And there's some people who just say stuff to get a rise out of people. But yes, they crushed this one and they crushed the um, outbreak that happened, you know, seven days later. So, I mean, they really know what they're doing. So that tells me that going forward, if you see this, that you should start paying attention if the risk is in your area. You know, like, I don't know how many forecasts have to verify before people start taking all this seriously. Well, people, you know, this is a a challenge that we talk about a lot on this show. 
and something that we believe is important. A lot of people don't listen to watches and warnings. Yeah. Oh, it's not going to affect me. Oh, it's not going to happen. Blah, 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 blah. And it's the same people that will criticize a forecaster or forecast after it happens. Oh, well, you guys didn't get it right. Yeah, there are tornadoes, but you, it, it wasn't for, for my area. You said there would be that. And that's what drives me nuts. It's uh, very much a psychological thing. You know, oh. you talk about doctors uh, of psychology talk about this all the time. It's the cry wolf syndrome, right? Where you're going to sit there and say, oh, the tornado's coming, tornado's coming, tornado's coming, and then it doesn't. But just because a tornado doesn't hit your house or your town doesn't mean it didn't happen. And it definitely right. doesn't mean you should not pay attention to watches and warnings. So that's what drives me nuts. I think a lot of people don't understand. And so therefore they have a whole lot of opinions over stuff they don't understand and how risk areas don't mean every square inch of that risk area is going to have a significant tornado. Every inch of the warning box even doesn't necessarily mean every house in that warning box is going to get impacted by the severe thunderstorm or the tornado in the same way. You know, so I, I think people just don't get that, but you know, if they don't, I don't know, I don't know how to educate them and, and make them understand, but right. <laughs> tragedy is the only way I think people will start to, you know, to pay attention, I guess. Agreed. Agreed. Well, we didn't have just one. We had two. And the second one is interesting because it's being not necessarily classified as a tornado outbreak. And obviously there were a lot of tornadoes. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to go and say it was a tornado outbreak. But a lot of people say it's just going to be considered a Direco event, which, yeah. okay, I get that. Now, with that said, in terms of it being a, sorry, Derecho, Direco, again, it's early for me. I'm extremely tired. It's been a very, very long week. I haven't had a day off since uh, Thanksgiving. So I'm wow. currently counting down the days until we get to December 23rd when I can actually take a break. So... They're calling it the 20, December 2021 North American Storm Complex in Derecho, or Derecho, whatever you want to call it. Derecho is Spanish words meaning to the right. So these things are a complex line of thunderstorms that uh, create their own conditions, basically, and move off uh, to the right in a direction. They move east. Sometimes they move northeast. Sometimes they move southeast. But they are always moving to the east. So... Confirmed tornadoes with this 59. Now, the other part of this that was interesting is it was a multifaceted outbreak of weather. You had tornadoes and you had snowfall. And you're like, well, what do you mean? Well, this complex of storms started way back in the state of California. The same time that the tornadoes were going through on the previous outbreak in the quad state area. That level of energy came from California, came across Nevada, Colorado, into the plains, and then it got re-energized and formed in portions of Nebraska, Missouri, Kansas, extreme South Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Illinois. And as we just said, 
you know, 59 confirmed tornadoes, the strongest that they have been able to find so far based on damage path are EF2s. There were 23 EF2s, 24 EF1s, 11 EF0s, and one that they have not been able to classify yet because it was probably out in the middle of a field. Let me go find where the radion that was. Yes, dam- oh, sorry, damage path has not been surveyed yet. So that will probably change a little bit more. Some long track tornadoes, a couple tornadoes that were on the ground for 11, 12, 14, 15 miles. One that's on the ground for 24 miles. So again, these tornadoes are not like just dropping down. These things are churning through the countryside. Yeah. And they were all up and down that line. And I mean, yep. that line at one point was just red box after red box after red box after red box all the way down that whole thing. And, yep. you know, um, that that it was that was crazy too you know in its own way and behind it um where nobody got any storms that would be me and some other states we just had wind like unbelievably crazy wind behind it um so that was a very cool interesting um storm system that came through and affected you know 10 states or whatever in some form or another and um so that's a pretty crazy event as well, even if it's not the same type of tornado outbreak as the one the week before. So it's been a fun, interesting December. <laughs> it has been. Highest wind gust with this that they recorded was 93 miles an hour in Lincoln, Nebraska. That was within the thunderstorm complex, not obviously with the tornado, but within the thunderstorm complex, 112 miles per hour at Red Mountain Pass in Colorado, and that was a non-thunderstorm wind. So that's a downslope event as that air was rushing to backfill the low as it was transversing across uh, mm-hmm. the Rocky Mountains into the plains. So pretty freaking awesome, I'm not going to lie. To watch this storm. A lot of fires started yep. because of that. It was, yeah, it was crazy. Pretty pretty amazing um i love i love the severe weather aspect of this again vigorous cold front overtaking an area of relatively warm and unstable air and boom you get this giant storm that just pops up and if there wasn't this warm air in place and it was all cold and moist air when these two storm systems came through, I think they would have been more of snow and ice events than, right. and then, you know, the severe thunderstorms, but because of this unseasonably warm weather we've been having for the last several weeks, that's, that's how it played out. But regardless, this storm system was going to impact these areas, but it was based on, it was really, it was based on temperature. It really is. We'll talk about some temperature profile here in just a second when we talk about something that happened out here in the Pacific Northwest yesterday. But, Bonnie, there's been a lot of debate going back and forth here. Well, are we seeing anything related to climate change with this? And my first initial thought was probably not. And then doing some, you know, doing some digging around. And, you know, there are a lot of articles that have been published the last couple of days about, well, you know, is this possible? I think we have to take a step back and let's not jump to conclusions about if a certain event or a multitude of events are directly related. Because I think we have to have more time to do the analysis on it. Unfortunately, I agree with needing more time, but I do also agree with 
you know, we need to start making some changes. Sure. Oh, 100%. As a whole on how we use the resources available to us. Cause I think that, you know, we could be really headed in a dangerous direction and I don't know. 100%. Absolutely. 100%. So my, my thought with this was, you know, again, we are eight days, nine days away out of a tornado outbreak across the South. And people are like, well, this is proof that, you know, this is climate change. And I'm like, how, how can we do that? How can we jump to it in nine days? Like, do we have the ability to say that this storm, you know, was caused by an increased level of CO2? And I'm not saying that it's not. What I am saying is I want to wait a few. Let's wait a while. Let's do the analysis that we know we can do to prove the points of if it is or if it's not. And it doesn't matter if it is or if it doesn't. We had a significant tornado outbreak. These things do happen. These things have always happened and will continue to happen. Now, will they be more severe because of climate change? Maybe. But let's not jump the gun yet. Let's take our time. Let's do the proper research and then make the final analysis. But let's not do it within 10 days because that just, that is, you're doing more harm than good at this point. Yeah. And that was one of the first things people said right when the event was happening was like, can we hold off on, climate change conversations until we, you know, just deal with the event itself and, right. and then go from there. But, you know, and the people who jump to this is climate change, it can't be anything else but climate change, and they're steadfast on that, are people who aren't educated in the climate or the weather or the atmosphere and how things function anyways. And, I mean, I'm not saying I am. I am a little more than other people, but not completely and certainly not an expert. But that's why I don't make a whole lot of comments, and that's why I think more time and more research is needed right. by people who do know what it is and what it's about and how it all works. So, I mean, and that's the same with everything. Like we always say, that's medicine and that's, you know, everything. You know, you need to let the experts right. take tell it with, us. Take it with a grain of salt. Right. And, you know, again, when was the last time that we saw a tornado forecast or any forecast with – uh, well, you know, CO2 levels today is X amount parts per million. Right. Well, and I mean, we've had that here in sure. the winter and late fall where we have a severe weather event and we are under a severe thunderstorm watch, but we're also under a winter storm watch at the same time because as this storm system transitions, we're going to get thunderstorms, but then it's going to become cold and we're going to get the snow out of it as well. And that has happened here multiple times. So, you know, and, and last year, I don't think we had really any thunderstorm action in the fall or winter, but we certainly had very extreme winter. So it's 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 hard to just start pinning stuff down when there's been all different types of events over the last several years. You know, you have to be able to develop a pattern somehow. Right. And I think that's what's still trying to be established. So we all just need to sit back and let that happen. Exactly. Because nothing's going to change from today or yesterday or tomorrow if we don't do the analysis the way it needs to be done yeah by the people who it needs to be done by exactly which are the people who are the educated ones and the ones who know yes what to do not by the people who sit behind their keyboard on twitter thank god (laughs) keyboard warriors are my favorite people yeah they're the experts they are they really are the experts um so We'll get to an example of that as well. 
Uh, the last 48 hours out here in the Pacific Northwest have been very interesting. We have been looking at uh, a forecast that was somewhat complicated in terms of the traditional models, the European, the GFS, and the North American model saying, oh, there could be a slight chance of low elevation snow in the Portland metro area coming through with um, an anafront, which is a cold front, but the moisture, instead of being out ahead of the cold front, which is what typically is, is back behind it. And so some of the high-res models were picking up on this, you know, two, three, four days ago saying, hey, temperatures are going to come through and they're going to drop as, as the cold front comes through and you're going to have a lot of heavy pre, uh, precipitation that's going to drag the cold air down and your atmosphere will become isothermal. So we're like, okay, well, let's see if this is going to happen. You had an interesting setup with the National Weather Service would mention it in their area forecast discussions, but we're saying now temperatures will stay in the 40s. Okay. Hedging your bets, maybe. Playing it safe, definitely. All right, so the National Weather Service has issued the forecast, uh, rain in the 40s. Two of the four TV stations decided to go along with that. Nothing's going to happen this weekend. Snow in the mountains, snow maybe in the coast range, not a big deal. Then you had two other stations that were like, listen, these high-res models are saying X, Y, and Z. We trust these high-res models. They have not let us down. We're going to call for snow Saturday night. And then they explained the process of what would happen. So we talked about that Thursday, talked about it Friday. And then Saturday comes along yesterday. And every model run was showing the exact same thing. Snow transitioning out of rain and the atmosphere becoming isothermal. And if you're not sure what that is, that's, you know, a parcel of air top to bottom that has the same temperature. You know, we talk about in weather, temperature changes with height. And, you know, you have a lapse rate, which is, you know, the point at which air you know either warms or cools at a certain degree in terms of elevation well when you have an isothermal atmosphere it is there's no lapse rate it's a constant temperature top to bottom so we're thinking okay if that's what the case is we will see snow form so yesterday afternoon the national weather service comes out and they issue a winter storm or a winter weather advisory for snow down to 700 feet now, Bonnie, you want to fire up a meteorologist in the Northwest, ask them to give you a specific forecast to a certain elevation. <laughs> it won't happen. And that'll just send them that'll just send them over the edge. <laughs> oh, oh, it will because and again, this is an area, I mean, the topography of the Northwest is hilly and we have mountains and valleys and it ranges from eleven thousand five hundred some odd feet down to sea level in the span of 150 miles. So, I mean, that should tell you right there that there's a lot of topography and a lot of changes, and there are. So last night, you know, the high-res models were saying uh, the cold front will blast through around 4 or 5 o'clock, and then by 11 o'clock, the temperature will have dropped some 20-odd degrees, and you'll start to see snow accumulating. So for me, this was going to be, okay, you know, let, let's see if it actually happens, right? I've seen it a couple times. 
post cold front where you get an isothermal atmosphere and the temperature drops like a rock and all of a sudden poof snow those heavy showers are going to pull all the cold air down and it will transform from rain to snow so wake up yesterday um strong south wind gusting 25 30 miles an hour temperatures are in the lower 50s and everyone's like there's no way in 12 hours it's going to snow it's just not going to happen and you know we had a guy on facebook who is a keyboard warrior saying you know the two tv stations that called out the snow these guys are completely nut jobs and they have no idea what they're talking about and you know i have six degrees in you know uh, electrical engineering and yada 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 and this just does not doesn't happen the atmosphere doesn't act this way yeah and we're just like okay fine so this guy's a keyboard warrior and he's going to take his degrees in a field that's not even related to meteorology and apply his knowledge and i guess best man wins <laughs> so last night you know nine o'clock we start getting reports of snow down to 700 feet 10 o'clock it's snowing you know, down to 250 feet. And by 1130, most of the metro area had made the change over to an all-snow situation. There were some pockets that were still a rain-snow mix, but for the most part, it had changed over to snow. The airport where the official snow measurement is taken for the city of Portland had two-tenths of an inch. So, therefore, we have now received recorded snowfall for seven consecutive winters which is pretty awesome. You know, there are times where we go uh, for long stretches of time where we don't get any snow. So to have it for seven consecutive winters, uh, it's a win in my book. Uh, There was a very slight dusting at my house. We call it conversational snow, bark dust, grass. You can see it on maybe some of the roofs. It was pretty to look at. Nothing that's going to hamper me driving to work today. But, It was just, it was a cool exercise in live meteorology. It was a great exercise in trusting high-res models. And again, the computing power between these things are a lot. And, you know, they have a little bit more information than, say, the traditional GFS or the Euro. Now, both those models did relatively well. They all called for snow, and lo and behold, it did. The amount of snow that we got was not what the models called for. It was on the lower side. But by the time that the atmosphere had gone isothermal, most of the heavy showers had moved out of the area. So, you know, had they stayed, we probably would have had more snow. Well, and I mean, we always talk about this. Winter weather is one of the trickiest, and one slight change in moisture or temperature can really affect the forecast in a huge way. So, you know, that's just simply all that it is. And sometimes you can't predict everything down to the really small details until it's actually happening. And so that's why there's so much change in winter weather. And like, I've been telling you this whole week, I'm jealous. We've had nothing. And, you know, last year we had so much winter weather and this year, I mean, we've had wind. Right. (laughs) It's been our exciting weather this this whole fall (laughs) and winter. (laughs) So, you know, models, models have been hinting at a pattern change out here for the Northwest for, I kid you not for weeks. And, you know, once we got to December, and again, you can't take a a long-range forecast with any degree of certainty just because so much does change. And you're mm-hmm. right. Winter weather is incredibly hard to forecast. 
Uh, I would put it probably number one and then severe weather number two in terms of the ability to try and actually get an accurate forecast where you can reliably say X, Y, and Z will happen. Yeah, where this will be snow or this will be freezing rain or this will just be a cold rain or nothing's actually going to happen at all like that. It's really, that's so hard, so, so hard. It's incredibly difficult. Now, pattern change forecast aside, you know, it has been relatively pretty stable. You know, we're now what? Gosh, today is the 19th. It's Sunday, right? So we are six days away from Christmas. By the way, gentlemen, if you are listening to this, that is your five-day warning, your five-day warning to complete your Christmas shopping. So please uh, make time over the next five days to complete said Christmas shopping. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, it's saying, hey, within the next five days, we're going to have a big pattern change and we're going to have cold air come rushing in. And the Portland metro area could see a white Christmas for the first time in almost 10 years, which would be fantastic. I will not be here for that. I'm traveling east of the Cascades, going to Sun River, which is where my family has done Christmas for a handful of years, the last six, seven years. And um, they have had snow on and off already. They had a day where they had 10 inches of snow last week, and I was watching it on one of the live cams, and I was... Very excited to get over there, and the forecast for us is also going to be snow. So I'm excited to be in the mountain climate. I love being in the high desert, and I'm super excited to hopefully have a just super snowy time because that's what I really want. Well, thank you for just continuously rubbing it in. I appreciate You're that. You're welcome. <laughs> you get the tornadoes. I get the snow. Okay, so. But you know. we haven't even gotten any of that, but, you know, it's fine. You know, I, I just feel like sometimes in Oklahoma when it's, quote boring weather for a long period of time that you know there's going to be a significant pattern change at some point there has to be and there's you know it's going to be something interesting that happens so we're just kind of waiting for that but i'll tell you our forecast for christmas is above average temperatures well you know at least it will be above average right yeah i mean i guess (laughs) let's look on the bright side I'm sick of being above average. I would like some average winter <laughs> temperatures, please. I'm tired of being a unicorn, <laughs> damn it. Yeah, right? I want some C-plus type of weather here. <laughs> average winter weather. <laughs> but it's fine. You know, it's fine. There's been a lot going on personally, so maybe it's good that there's not, like, hectic weather at the same time. I right? don't know. So, it's fine. I'll just complain about it. Well, we're allowed to. We are allowed to complain because, hey, we're the ones on the show, right? Boom. (laughs) All right. Well, let's jump into what what this show will look like kind of going forward. Uh, You and I are still sticking around. So there is, like I said, there's no hostile takeover. There's no realignment on the board of directors because the board of directors are you and I. Right. So we're not a victim of cancel culture, so yes. we're still here. Yes, we, I mean, unless we want to cancel ourselves, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. No, because like we I said, wouldn't do that. We're unicorns. We don't cancel each other out. We need to be captured and studied. Um, That's right. What's that line from? It's from a movie. Oh no, it's from. Um, if you're ever on YouTube and you type in "crazy hot matrix," it's a very sexist video about how to find a woman in the date zone and then the kind to marry. 
It says, if you find a woman who is a 10 hot and a zero crazy, she is a unicorn. Please make sure to capture it so we can, can so we can study it. <laughs> so uh, there is a female retort to a video, which is actually equally as funny. So if you oh, have a chance. That. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so uh, going forward, what we want to do is instead of being a weekly show where we are producing, you know, upwards of 50 plus episodes a year, we're going to take a step back and we're going to do one show a month. And I really think, and I agree with Bonnie when we say this, I think it will provide better content and context for what we want to accomplish. Now, obviously, if we see a significant weather event coming up, we would like to do a pre and post recap. And that would be posted as independent episodes or depending on what the overall severity is, we would wait and we would do a pre and a post analysis as one show. So that will happen. So again, we're looking at 12 episodes for 2022 with a caveat that we will probably end up doing a few more just based on, you know, big weather events. Now, obviously that could be a tornado outbreak forecast. It could be a cat five headed toward Miami or New Orleans or, you know, any major landfall and hurricane where it has the potential to have a big impact or even, you know, a significant wildfire. We are giving ourselves the freedom to say, hey, you know, if it's something that we want, really want to talk about, we'll we'll tape an episode. Obviously, yeah. w- once a month, we're, we're happy with that. So, Bonnie, what are your thoughts going forward on that? I think that that's good. You know, like we've discussed over the last several weeks, it's it's good because sometimes in a week's time, there's not much that's happened. And, you know, those episodes can be not as fun to listen to and not, honestly, not as fun to tape, you know, if we're just right talking about nothing that's going on. And so get, giving us a month, several weeks for things to happen. And, you know, um, I think that will provide more exciting, more interesting things to talk about and listen to. So it's for y'all's benefit. It's for our benefit because, you know, like we said, sometimes there's just weeks that are just kind of bleh across the board and we don't want to put out a bleh episode. No, we do not. And, you know, you and I are going back through school and I will say this. I'm glad the intro to world geography class is over because, good Lord, I... Did not care. That was like a history class almost. It I was. was like, and I'm not I, trying to do that. Right. And listen, <laughs> and do not get me wrong. I am excited to be back in school. I have nothing but positive praise for Mississippi State. I am so excited to continue learning. I'm really excited for this next semester, jumping into a couple actual like hardcore weather classes. I'm looking forward to that. But yeah. If I want to do intro to world geography, I would go get my political science degree again. And that's something I don't want to do because that's in the past. And as much as I love polit- uh, politics and political science, I didn't need that in my life this year. <laughs> with everything going well, on with the coronavirus, the last thing I wanted to do was talk about, you know, warring factions and stuff happening that way. Well, exactly. And that part of it is what I didn't like. But I think that knowing where countries are and where certain mountain yes. ranges are and rivers and oceans. That is important because a lot of patterns in weather are global. And so knowing your directions and knowing where certain countries are on the globe is a good idea so that you just have an idea of what's going on globally as far as big weather 
patterns. But other than that, like, yeah, talking about Chernobyl and measles and whatever else we were talking about, I was like, you know, <laughs> I'm not trying to do that. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I learned about this a long time ago. This has no real benefit to me. And, and again, I know why it's part of the curriculum. I get it. That's fine. Yeah. I will say this. Our physical geography class was freaking awesome. Yes, that was super, super in depth. I mean, there were some parts like talking about soil and rocks, and I was like, yeah, I really don't care about this. But <laughs> I get it. It was talking about everything composition hey, of the earth, the sky, everything. Bonnie, what's your favorite biome? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Do you want to classify it for me with your letters? Oh, my gosh. I don't like those stupid <laughs> letters. Oh, my God. Those are so dumb. And I don't like them. Oh. That's the part. That was the part physical geography that i don't care about the cwba like i don't care <laughs> it's a fir- <laughs> it's a certified wet forest <laughs> is that what that is no i'm making it oh. up but you okay, know i was like dang you remember what the letters mean okay i'm impressed <laughs> right and, th- and that was the one thing i was like if you if they could have spent a little bit more time in depth on that i would have appreciated but um yeah and had a clearer table in the book it just didn't feel like oh it was gosh. very yeah. It didn't make very much sense to me, but, and I couldn't even Google it. <laughs> like when I was trying to Google it, it wasn't really pulling up answers. And I was like, okay, is this not a thing? Like, what, Oh no, it's definitely, it, it's definitely a thing. It just wasn't a, a, a big thing. So, but anyways, yeah. that's, you know, part of the reason why we are going to go to these 12 episodes. And again, you know, Bonnie and I have talked extensively off, <laughs> off the podcast about what we want to do. And, you know, there are th- some things that we have you know, hope for and, you know, that haven't happened yet. And they, they eventually will. It's, it's funny. I heard the other day that if you want to be taken seriously as a content creator, you have to put out 500 pieces of content before somebody realizes you exist. Yeah. And I've heard that too. And it's on everything, you know, it's yeah. not just the podcast episode, right. it's tweets and Instagrams and all of that. And that's, that's hard unless that is your full-time job. And some podcasters, that is their job. And that's good right. for them. They've established that as their career and they have sponsors and that's how they make a living. But, you know, that's not where we're at. And so we pretty much do this for fun. I mean, sure. of course, we want it to take off a little bit, but it's been mostly a for fun kind of thing. Yep. But it's a labor we still of have love. To take care of our response. Yeah. And we have to take care of our other responsibilities, too. So it's a balancing act. Right now, if a sponsor wants to come by and give us, you know, three hundred thousand dollars a year, Bonnie and I will gladly leave our jobs and we will yeah. tape an episode of B Squared every single day. Every, I was going to say every day, every day, <laughs> and we will do three hour long shows. And it might be incredibly dull and boring, but we will definitely do it. Hey, <laughs> we will just take a lesson out of our book. And yes, we will, yes. We will take we will take you to school with us. You have the benefit of going for free while we pay for it. Exactly, exactly. We can't issue a degree. Right. But you can at <laughs> You'll least know everything learn. just like we will. That's fantastic. <laughs> so if anyone wants to throw that cash our way, yes. we'll take it. <laughs> Find us on Twitter at Weather Podcast. I'm going to put my cash app on there. Yeah, exactly. We, we actually should do that. Um, <laughs> send us tips. <laughs> That's a different story for a different day. Following, <laughs> following the adventures I've had at the bar this, this last month with people not tipping. And having to explain to people how that works. I had, I literally had, I literally had a, I I had a woman who just had turned 22 and she was like, I don't understand why people tip anymore. Oh my God. And I'm like, one, why are you telling me slash asking me this? And two, you can turn and leave now because 
I'm definitely not going to play anything you or your party requests. Yeah, exactly. Like if you have that kind of mentality, then um, we're not going to see eye to eye. <laughs> yes, we are, we are not friends. Um, I'm excited though. That, you know, we're going to be we're keeping for the most part our intro. There will be some changes tweaked here and there. Um, I have a script ready to be sent off to our voice gal, a woman named Ashley Z out of Cleveland, Ohio, who is a radio professional and a good friend of mine. She's the voice that you hear at the start of the show. She's fantastic. And we'll do some other stuff too. I mean, we're extremely active on Twitter. We need to really get going on podcast on uh, Instagram though. That That's the one that I have dropped the ball on. So, but we're active on Twitter. We're super excited to see what, you know, 2022 brings for us. You know, we know we're going to get at least 12 really solid episodes. And like we said, I know that we'll probably tape a lot more just because stuff's going to happen. And, you know, if we get a, you know, perspective tornado outbreak, I know Bonnie will be blowing my phone up. We got to talk about this. You know, SBC's, (laughs) you know, put, you know, the red risk on top of Oklahoma City and it's going to be, you know, from 12 o'clock to five o'clock and the TV coverage is going to be off the hook and, you know, people will be yelling at David Payne and I can't wait to tune in and watch. <laughs> and that's part of why I like working from home because I can be right. doing my work, but I can have coverage on in the background and it's nice. <laughs> I and it. I won't get fired if I go get in my storm shelter. Exactly. And the best part is, you know, I get texts and tweets from you like, Oh my God, are you watching? And I was like, yep, I'm, I'm streaming it from, you know, 1200 miles away, but yes, I'm absolutely watching this. See, and that's what's so great, you know, about them, weather stations and news stations putting that on, yes, on the internet and on 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 their website, so anyone can watch it anywhere. Um, so, yep, it is fantastic. Well, I am excited to see what 2022 brings. As I said. Bonnie, we have Christmas now, again, six days away. Uh, we will not have another episode this year, but uh, the plan is to drop new episodes, what, the second or third weekend of each month? Yes, I think we haven't 100% nailed down right. which week we want to do, and it may fluctuate, but we're going to try to not do that. But, um, yeah, we're going to try to do the same time each month. So it'll be fun. I'm excited to see what happens. Um, we Hope you guys have a great Christmas. Hope you guys have a great New Year. Stay safe. Have a lot of fun out there. If you get a chance uh, to get out and enjoy some good weather, please do. If you get a white Christmas, please send us pictures. We want to see. Tweet them to us at Weather Podcast. We will retweet your stuff. Um, I'm excited to get over to the mountains. I'm sure we'll do another a video thank you at the end of the year like we did last year. because It was just way too much fun. Yeah, definitely. Well, for the last time with this current format, I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we will talk to you guys very soon. Bye.